Hello, and welcome to the Third and Long Podcast. We are beyond excited for you to join us for our first episode of Outrageous and Outspoken Sports Perspective. My name is Slater, and I have our other host, Mike, with us. How are we feeling after this wild week in the football, Mike? All right, man, I'm doing just fine. It's a, it's a fine, dreary Monday here where I'm at, but uh, I'm sure it's drearier in some other places after this weekend's football lineup. <laughs> that's for sure i agree so we're going to go in chronological order let's bounce back to last thursday with uh our boys the dallas cowboys uh i'd like to start off with i mean what was your reaction to the game well from uh my honest perspective i do feel like the cowboys had some struggles I think I that uh, I think that as as we expected, we knew that the team that they would be putting on the field in Tennessee was definitely going to be hungry. They were definitely going to play the play to win, even without their starters. Those guys that they put on that field came to play and knew exactly what their objective was. You know, anytime a team plays the Cowboys, it doesn't matter how far down the bench they go, how far into the depth charts they have to dig. They're always going to give the Dallas Cowboys, their best shot. And that's exactly what happened on Thursday night. You know, the Cowboys were resilient. We definitely missed some of our key players. Uh, you know, Tony Pollard not being available. Definitely noticed some challenges with the running game. But yeah. just like any other team, you know, you're going to face those challenges from opponents that, that are going to test you in ways you haven't previously seen. And that's exactly what happened. But as expected, the Cowboys toughened up, got it done, and, and got away with the win. So I definitely agree with all that. You know, the biggest thing was is that you could tell, you know, with them resting Pollard and that they were definitely trying to, like, escape that game after the first half. You know, you could kind of tell that the times were conceding for next week, and so the Cowboys were like, well, rest Pollard. He's got, you know, maybe a little thigh nick that we really don't want him to overdo with playoffs coming up. Because I, and the Cowboys were just not ready to play that full game. And you could tell in the first half, like you said, we got the job done. But for Dak have to throw for forty-one times in that game, that's crazy. Considering he didn't even touch that against the Eagles. Yeah. So Dak had uh, twenty-nine attempts, uh, forty-one attempts, twenty-nine. Catches 282 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Yep. So he was definitely slinging the ball around quite a bit. But uh, with the kind of pressure they were getting from the defense of the Tennessee Titans and the lack of running game, they were definitely challenging how to find a way around it. But it was good to see, you know, Ezekiel run through the holes right and – CD Lamb had 11 grabs for 100 yards, a big night from him. Schultz stepped up as usual. And, of course, the newest addition to the team, T.Y. Hilton, making the veteran savvy plays that you want from a guy that you sign like that. It's good to see that he can still get out there and deliver for us. I'm really excited about T.Y. Hilton because I do believe that he's going to cause some problems for teams in the future. You know, we already have – 
an excellent group of receivers. And then you add someone like T.Y. Hilton in there who may not be able to burn you 20 plays a game, but this guy's going to be out there seven to 12 plays. And all you need is him to do those smart things that a veteran receiver can do. As we've seen in the, in the past two games that he's played in, they're going to help, you know, just those one or two nice plays that really change the game and add momentum and build the dynamics and, and keeps everybody honest. You know, you want to keep the defense honest. You can't let them just gang up on one of your receivers and not respect the whole field. And it's just going to open everything up. We have talented, talented players on our team. No, I definitely agree with that. Uh, the biggest thing is, is that we have seen Dak at least been able to, when the times have been tough, put together drives. I mean, I remember watching him. So this is what, six or seventh year in the league? I can't remember on top of my head. But since 2016, I mean, you've seen Dak grow. And I remember in those 2018 season, 2019 and 2020, it always just seemed like when it came down to the crunch numbers and Dak needed to get down the field, he couldn't do it. But at the beginning of games, he would go up and be up by a lot. But when it came down to it, he couldn't do it. But, you know, right. with the Houston game, the uh, – Big drive. Big drive, man. And then, like, the Titans game, like, you know, things did not go our way. Obviously, like, we weren't able to rest our guys, you know. But Dak still put it together, calmed the team down. T.Y. was able to help out. And you can tell that the emergence of C.D. Lamb has arrived since Green Bay. And it has been wonderful for the Cowboys. Yeah, he's definitely coming into his own as a player and uh, really providing that trust trust in the receiver that you know that greediness that you throw it to me over and over again I'm going to deliver for you I'm going to get you some yards I'm going to move the ball and we're going to run right down the field it's always nice to have that and it's good to see CD Lamb kind of starting to pick that up and move with it you know and and with Dak you know like you said one of the challenges for him has always been who is he you know, you hear it all the time. It changes week to week, you know, but you got to understand it doesn't matter what team you play. These are professionals. All these guys, it doesn't matter if they're on the bench, they're second, third in the depth chart. These are all very talented individuals playing this sport. 100%. You know, 100%. So, you know, these guys are going to, they're going to give you their best shot, you know, so the challenge is always going to be there, but, for Dak to, like for Houston, for example, when he made that drive and he's had another one since, you know, this is that year. These are the challenges that he is going to have to face in order to take us to that championship level. You know, it's like, can he continue to exemplify, you know, getting through those tough situations? Can he overcome any opinions and, and difficulties that he has, you know, he's got to face down that adversity. I absolutely 100% believe that he can and he will, you know, he's facing a lot of criticism. Every game has been different. It's been challenging. And, you know, the media guys are on with him one week and then the next week they're like, Oh, Dax interceptions. But as me and you have talked about many times, the majority of Dak Prescott's interceptions are not due to his ball handling. It's not due to his 
accuracy. It's not due to his strength. It's not due to his quarterback perception. None of those are his fault directly. He's throwing good, strong, accurate balls. We've counted them. He's hit players in the chest seven times and had a ball bounce out and get intercepted. Now he's had a couple, you know, numbskull plays where, you know, two or three balls may have been a little wild or why'd you throw that? But that's any quarterback. That's going to happen to the best of them. It happens to the best of them every weekend. And he's just he's just in a tough spot with those. But he's going to have to face some quarterbacks coming up in the playoffs. You know, as you know, we're going to end up seeing Tom Brady or another nemesis of the Dallas Cowboys, Mr. Aaron Rodgers. So those, those are pretty much our two options at this point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these guys have given us a hard time in the past. But this is Dak's moment to prove that he is on that level, which we believe he is. And he's going to have to push past those two quarterbacks. He's going to have to show that, hey, not only can I show up but me and my team, we can take you down. We can bring it. Yep, I, I definitely agree with that. And this is something really cool. Um, Ryan Clark, he's a analyst for sports, of course. He's on the Get Up show on ESPN. And he really impressed me with what he said about the Tynes game about uh, a couple days ago. It... You know, he said, don't quote me on this, but, you know, he basically broke it down to where, you know, you asked Dallas to play a really tough Sunday afternoon game against a division rival, and that was a tough game against the Eagles with without Jalen Hurts. I mean, they still had to go out there, and they came down to the wire. And then you have to turn around and go play Thursday night on primetime mm-hmm. again against these Titans, and they brought it. I mean, you said those young guys, they're wanting a shot. It's on primetime. It's against the Cowboys. Everybody's watching. Like, who doesn't, right? Everyone right. watches the Cowboys. Whether they want to admit it or not, I know it's plenty of people. Team. It's a well-coached team. Mike Vrabel, no joke. He is. He deserves, after the past couple of years, a coach – a coaching award for something. Cause I mean, the amount of injuries they've gone through and bowed through to just be in those positions to still push through. He does a phenomenal job. So no matter what, he's always going to have his players ready, but I really respect. Cause that's something I don't think about. You know, these guys are human. We're not playing Madden. The guys aren't just going to be automatically fresh playing off a stand boost or something. These are humans. You know, exactly. they come off of the adrenaline and all that. And this is what happens, but I hate, hate to ask you this, but does Dax Prescott's interceptions concern you? Oh, man. Concern me? No. I I don't think it concerns me. And here's why. You know, if Dak was going out there throwing interceptions and we were losing games due to poor performance and poor play in addition to those interceptions, I would be concerned. I would be concerned, but I'm not. Like I said, I think he has, what, 13 interceptions on the season or thereabouts. I think nine of those interceptions are mishandled catches by the receiver. You know, he threw one to the Eagles the other day. Yeah, probably didn't have enough velocity on the ball. I think he was just kind of looking through the end there and and just didn't even – expect him to be able to jump that high and just didn't get enough under it. Yeah. You know, it's a bad throw. You're going to get those from time to time, 
but I, I wouldn't say it concerns me much at all. You know, I think when Dak makes a mistake, he's the kind of guy that gets locked in. Now, it can bite him. Don't get me wrong. You know, you get in the playoffs and you throw a couple picks to the other team, you're going to find yourself in a bad situation real quick. But Dak, he fights back immediately. He comes out and, you know, he throws the smoke and we get right back on top of things. And, and that's what I'm liking about what I'm seeing from Dak and the Cowboys this year is they don't let too much of mistakes stop their progress. You know, you look at a game where they fought a really tough Eagles team. You know, I'm, I'm not an Eagles supporter. I'm not a fan. Obviously, I'm a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan. But I, re- I have a respect for the Eagles. You know, they are a very good team. They're dangerous. With or without Jalen Hurts. You know, Jalen Hurts just provides some things that, you know, someone like a Gardner Minshew just cannot bring to the table for you. You know, you kind of, you take a couple things away from, from Minshew and you can squeeze him and you know exactly what he has to do to react to you. But with Jalen Hurts, he's not only very athletically gifted, but he's intelligent and he's crafty. You know, he, he, I've watched him and he makes so much stuff up as he's going even if it's drawn up play, you know, you can see that he's, he's creating new opportunities in the middle of a play just by the way he's moving and, and also a very well-coached team. But back to answering the question, no, I don't think it's something that's going to concern me with Dak. I think Dak's locked in the season. I'm really looking forward to him taking on one of these quarterbacks that uh, has been a thorn in our side in the previous years and, and moving on successfully. But I did want to make one more comment about the Titans. You know, it's the Dallas Cowboys, like I mentioned earlier, and they're going to face a team where these kids are coming out there to try to prove that they deserve to be there and they deserve to be on the field, you know, either higher on the depth chart or maybe even starting somewhere. They're a very well-coached, intelligent team with a very intelligent head coach. And then this guy goes and finds, you know, a quarterback who's, obviously pretty intelligent himself that you have no opportunity to prepare for who's playing with nothing to lose and everything to gain. There's no real danger in it for this Dobbs kid. And I thought that what he provided for the Titans was excellent. I mean, this guy came out there, he was moving well. He made good reads, good plays through really, really nice balls. I mean, I was impressed. I'm glad we won. You know, I didn't expect to get as much trouble from the Titans as we did on Thursday night. You know, I kind of knew it was going to be an arm wrestling match for maybe the first halfway through the second quarter. But, man, we were in a dogfight, it felt like, the whole way, which is good for Dallas. You know, every time somebody comes in and gives us their best shot, it just gives us an, an opportunity to, you know, sharpen our skills and face some new challenges and put some new tricks in our back pocket we're about to be walking into here in a couple weeks yeah it definitely feels like we are adding new tools because it seems like last year when we played bad teams we would just blow them out and didn't learn anything from these games you know we learned from the texans that when it comes down to the knee and gritty it's just like we can stand up get the goal line stand and drive 98 yards and then hard to do it's hard to do you're right and we last year that Cowboys team cannot do that. I don't believe it. I do right. not believe that. 
And then we think about these other games, and you just see the Cowboys stepping up to the potential that we've been looking for. You know, we've always seen the offensive power, and we always have seen the crazy stats, but we had never seen when our back's against the wall, the team fight back. And that's what we're finally seeing out of them. Maybe them losing in the wild card to San Fran last year finally woke them up. It may have because mm-hmm. you do see more physicality out of the team. You see a team that's got a sharp mindset. You know, they got embarrassed last year. No matter absolutely how that San Fran team made it to the NFC Championship and was an interception away, you got embarrassed on your home field. It was a bad matchup for Dallas at the time, you know. It was. It was a kind it was the kind of team that was perfectly blended to give the kind of team that we had on the field that last year a challenge and then that's exactly what happened yeah would i want to play san fran right now again i don't know i like my chances better with this team than i did with last year's team even though we had amari cooper and some better offensive player guys i like the mentality of this team and let's give a shout out to tyler smith and jason peters okay for two guys the one the rookie and one the 40-year-old veteran, for those guys to step in this year and have been able to do the things they've been able to has been phenomenal. I mean, when Tyron Smith went down and you had to put a rookie at left tackle, I know I was shaking a little bit considering our past with left tackles when he gets hurt. I mean, Mm -hmm. it just felt like Dak would get sacked and hit all the time. But that kid has got some major physicality. And when when they put him at guard and they sometimes put Peters at that tackle and they do that swinging toss and that Mm – Smith is coming around the corner. I would be scared as a cornerback, 100%. I could not face that. I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to lay here. I'm going to cut your knees out or something because I'm not going to try to take you on head up. I mean, oh, yeah. That man That boy. man moves people, Slater. That that big boy moves people uh, around. For for what I've seen from him is, man, he's, he's impressive. He's got so much raw just strength and that natural – he's a football player. So once you start getting that kid to where he knows everything that he needs to do and he's seen all the bags of tricks that everybody can bring and, and try to come through that line with, he's going to be hard, hard to deal with. You know, so it's definitely been a resource. And I, I've been very thankful that we have the depth in the line that we do. But like you were saying, you know, the Minnesota Vikings look like last year's Dallas Cowboys. Yes, 100%. I mean, after what just happened yesterday with them in Green Bay, I mean, I'm just shocked. I mean, Justin Jefferson alone got held to one reception for 15 yards. I mean, how does that happen? I mean, I get it that you can't go 100 yards every game. I mean, Justin Jefferson's had a historical season so far, not discrediting like the whole entire season. And you know what? Sometimes that happens, but I don't know – if Kirk is just not the guy or if they just like had one of those breakdown games and we've seen those because what game was it last year for the Cowboys? We were in one of them with them this year. We were, it was, you the, know, it seems it's either, it's either they fight and they stay with you and it becomes, you know, becomes a game or, you know, they blow you out or they get blown out. You know, there's, there's not much in between with those guys. You know, they, they either get up on you or they get down and they just get run over. Yeah, and it could be because of a new head coach. I mean, there's there's a lot of factors that could play into it. 
I mean, it's you know that there's the issues with the Vikings when the Colts went up thirty three to zero on them at half. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they came back and won, but there's issues there. I mean, the yeah. Colts hung tough with us, but once that fourth quarter hit, we took over and it was over. But I mean, yeah. to be down thirty three to zero, come on, Vikings! I mean, all we're yeah. asking you to do was to be Aaron Rodgers. Like you did earlier in the season, the first game of the year. So then we won't have to worry about it. But now we have like the goat, the greatest of all time ghost coming to haunt us. You know, last thing I would like to do is go play Tom Brady. And then next thing you know, we got to go play the Eagles. And then let's say we somehow get past all of that. Green Bay's just marching to the NFC championship. And you're just like, no, 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 no. Yeah, these guys just hit God mode, you know, sometimes. And, you know, you know my philosophy with these players on these teams. And if you're going to win a game, the best players have to do what? They have to show up. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the best player on the rosters for a reason. You know, they're they're paid what they're paid and they're drafted where they're drafted. And they get the commercials and they do their dances and all that's great. But at the end of the day, if you want the W, you've got to show up and, you know, I looked at the stat line for that, and I, I don't even know if Jefferson was on the field. Yeah. and But, yeah, we got some dangerous quarterbacks in the lineup, you know. But, you know, I think this is the year that if it's going to happen, it has to be this year. And and as, as much as we've talked about it, and we can talk about it again, you know, we discussed what, what are the what-if scenarios? You know, is it going to be Carolina? Is it going to be Tampa Bay? As we found out this weekend, it's going to be Tampa Bay. And what we discussed and what we feared happened, happening actually happened. And out of nowhere, Tom Brady, who looked last week like he was ready. <laughs> to pack his bags and go to Cabo. I mean, oh, yeah. He wanted out of that sorry. game. He was ready. Oh, sorry. yes, sir. He wanted, yeah, he wanted out of that game, Slater. He, any pressure, he was getting rid of the ball. He didn't want to take a hit. You know, we're talking snap, second and a half, that ball was out. It was not always well thrown. I mean, the guy just looked completely uncomfortable. And then they come in this week, and Carolina's a good little team right now. They got something cooking, you know, and Darnold showed up, and it went right down to the wire, but I mean, Tampa really came out. I mean, three touchdowns to Mike Evans that them two could not hook up if you put them on a blind date the past few weeks. But yesterday, it was just like bang, 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 right down the field. And then there he is, Tom Brady, as expected, just right on cue. He's going to come smoking into the playoffs. But fine, fine. I don't want an easy route to the Super Bowl. If we're going to do it, we need to do it the right way. Our players have got to show up. We've got to learn from last year's mistakes. And we've got to take these challenges head on. The only way the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, the whole team, the fandom, everything, the only way we're ever going to get the respect that they deserve is if they face down these challenges and they go through the hardest path that's available to them. You know, I don't want to play some slouchy team and squeak by and then, you know, have them heartbroken when we play a team that's, you know, got their stuff together, you know, I'd rather go through a Tom Brady and take him down. Finally, I'd rather go through something like that than have it be, you know, we play the new Orleans saints who 
have three quarterbacks and use trick plays at least once or twice a quarter and, you know, all that gimmicky stuff, you know, let's, let's knuckle down. Let's get it done. Yeah. And I mean, the nice thing about Tampa is, is that they have not been able to build a rushing attack that they so stood on the past couple of years. Like, I mean, Leonard Fournette only had 10 carries for 28 yards. The Rashad White, the rookie, had 11 carries for 22 yards. But he can and turn it on, too, Fournette. He definitely can, but, you know, it hasn't been the same Fournette, in my opinion. I mean, I think the only reason that Tom Brady may have pulled that game off was because Carolina's corners kept getting burnt. I mean, Mike Evans went for 10 receptions, 207, and three Yeah, teams. he's not a runner. Yeah, and every time that he touched the ball, it was because he burnt the corner and was yeah. just, like, wide open. And Tom Brady, he can still throw the rock if he needs to. He's, that, yeah, he's not missing that. that throw. No, he's not missing that throw. Now, the funny thing is, is what you said, that they couldn't find each other, you know, or hook up on the blind day. They couldn't have done that. They've been overthrowing. Tom Brady's been overthrowing people like that for the past couple of weeks. Right. But it seemed like yesterday, all of a sudden, it was like, bam, right back to it. And if they yeah, do that, and if they do that next week, you know it's a problem because now it's Tom Brady's warmed back up. It's getting hot. Yeah, it's getting hot at the right time, right? We're you know we're seeing these teams like the Eagles. They've cooled off a little bit, but you know maybe because Jalen Hurts is out. But you know you it's it's about when you get hot. That's all it's about. Right. You, you know. The 2020 Steelers are the great example of that. I mean, they went 11 to 0, and then like one, I think one of their last six went to a wild card game and got blown out by the Cleveland Browns. Right. So they talk about it for a reason. You want to get hot at the right time. You look at you know past Super Bowl champions over the last 10 years, and there's been several teams. You know, one of them's in our division where they were stinking it up. You know. For half the season, they were competitive. You know, these are these are pro teams. They were competitive, but you know they weren't clobbering anybody. And then all of a sudden, they just they find it and it starts clicking, and they figure out what works for them, and they figure it out to the point where they can do it better than what anybody can bring to try to stop it. And they get hot, and they cruise right into the playoffs, and they look better than, t- than teams that have excellent records. You know, I kind of feel that's what's going to happen with a team like Minnesota. You know, Minnesota looks, they're, they're shiny, they're flashy, you know, tin chain and all that good stuff. And they got cute little dances and everything. But <laughs> Kirk me, Cousins like chains. Yeah. <laughs> they're paid for chance, in my opinion, is, is what the Minnesota Vikings are. And, and I feel bad for their fans because they're probably thinking, oh, this is the year. But if they run into a team, you know, someone like, you know, the 49ers or something, I mean, they're going to they're gonna get chopped up. They're going to get beat up. Yeah, yeah, you know. So what's 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 the one takeaway from the Tennessee Titans Dallas Cowboys game on Thursday night that that you think is valuable moving forward? I think it was the presence of Ty Hilton. You know, again, we've seen back to back weeks where Ty Hilton has been able to put stuff together. And now teams have to respect it. You know, when you're watching film, it's just not, oh, T.Y. Hillen's washed up and the Cowboys just signed him. It's that this guy caught a third, third and 30 and then had 50 yards against Tennessee. Now it is against Tennessee, you know, 
I'm not going to hype it up too much. But it's still the fact that if this trend continues where T.Y. is being respected, C.D., Schultz, Gallup, Noah Brown, all they're going to open up. I mean, it has to. Yeah. You can't not, yeah. not respect T.Y. Right. Yeah, you're right. Because it doesn't matter who you are. You know, whatever defense shows up to play across from us, when you've got, you know, T.Y. Hilton, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Schultz, Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott, Tony Pollard, and we got a few more guys that we like to rotate in with that too. If everybody comes to play, you're in trouble. I you're in big can. trouble. There's a lot of ways that, that Dallas can can get through it. You know, of course, we're big fans and spend a lot of our time talking about this team. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, the proof is in the pudding. You know, yep. so we're 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 gonna see. It was a great game. I'm glad they they won. It was exciting to watch what the Titans gave us, you know, but at the end of the day, we did what we should do, and that's win, take that W, head on home, and we sat back and watched uh, the rest of the weekend and see how things are going to play out. Yep, so we're going to cool off the Cowboys subject for a second, we're going to transition into uh... – Saturday, New Year's Eve. The co- we're going to talk about this college bowl games, bowl games, the semifinals. All right, the old horny toads, huh? <laughs> exactly. Shoot. Yeah, Ugh. me I, and you talked about me and you talked about this game and and what we expected to happen, and you know we both agreed that this was it was actually a really good matchup for TCU, you know, and. Uh, I will say personally, I was not expecting Michigan to straight up get bullied balled like they were. Right. I mean, that first half, Michigan was getting bullied. And I don't right. expect that. But the thing is, is that it was a bad matchup for Michigan to start with when I went back right. and looked at because TCU is all about being fast and hurrying right. up and getting on the ball. And Michigan is one of those teams where they like to slow it down. Run the ball, right. take up the clock. I mean, big strikes not when they're, big they're strikes, very calculated. Yeah, play action, throw it down the field. But TCU is like, I mean, there was plays where Michigan linemen are not even down. Like the defensive line's not even down, and Michigan TCU's snapping the ball. And you got yeah. Michigan defenders trying to run on. They're trying to do substitutions, and TCU's no huddling. And you could just tell that they were also getting out coached. Shout out to the TCU head coach and that coaching staff because. In my opinion, and some people may not agree, they were getting outcoached and outplayed. Yeah. It was definitely my favorite game of the weekend um, of, of both pro and college. You know, these are, these are two ball clubs that, you know, have talent on the field and, you know, they're in tradition and it was just a classic good old-fashioned, you know, two teams that are trying to win the game. It was a good old-fashioned college slobber knocker. You know, TCU came out. You know, their, their school may not have the best reputation for rankings and, and being in the playoffs and going to big bowl games, but this is a year for them. You know, they're kind of the Cinderella story this year. You know, as we talked about, they started the season, they weren't even ranked, you know, and then here they are in, in a semifinals. And I thought that, uh, as I expected, they, they played well enough to win, and I, and I figured they would. But it was a, the funnest game to watch because it was just classic old school, college football where two teams 
you know, played all heart and it was, it was a dog fight to the very end. I was impressed by both teams. It was an exciting game, a fun game. I'm glad to see, you know, TCU throw their hat in the ring. It was, it was a good time. Yeah. That, that number one receiver, Quentin Johnson, I, where he's projected to be a first round pick. Don't know if he will, he probably will, but it's going to be really exciting to see what team he may go to in the NFL. I, I think he's unbelievable. I mean, he had that one, what was it, the drag across the field, I think it was, and he caught it and he oh, barely yeah. beat the defender and ran yeah. like he made 60 one yards. Move. Yeah, oh. coming around and was – there was you weren't catching him. Yeah. That was, I mean, a, that was an awesome play. And it, was, it was really cool. And even with TCU losing their top running back, Keandre Miller, I mean, he went down in number three for Imari, even though he had did have that one fumble – he stepped up to the plate because he also broke. It's it was every time that Michigan would score or have momentum start going their way, TCU struck right back and kept ripping the hearts out. They just right. didn't give them a bloodline essentially, and that's what I got out of it was that every time Michigan thought they were going to start rolling them, TCU said nope, gone again. Because I mean, we had Absolutely. what I think it was. Oh man! In the third quarter alone, we have forty-four points. In the third quarter, and I remember the last three minutes of it being like two scores going to both teams. Absolutely, I was really impressed with uh, the poise and efforts made by the the TCU quarterback. You know, I thought he played excellent. Uh, he took control when he needed to take control. He made plays when he needed to make plays. And like you said, whenever, you know, it was TCU's game from the start. But whenever, you know, the Wolverines tried to fight back and, and made a couple big plays or scored, you know, TCU found a way to, you know, punch them in the chest and just rip the heart right out of them and, and keep them, keep the momentum on their side. They never let the pendulum swing so much that they lost traction. And I mean, it came right down to it. But yeah. I think, you know, TCU just was able to keep the upper hand the entire time. I do believe Michigan still has a bright future. Um, that quarterback, the J.J. McCarthy kid, he was phenomenal. I mean, he threw for 343 yards, two TDs, and rushed for 52 yards in a touchdown. I mean, he did a phenomenal job trying to keep that team in it. Unfortunately, TCU just had the edge by the early game mistakes and just keep ripping the heart out every time they try to get momentum. But you want to hear something really that's been coming out lately? Jim Harbaugh, the head coach of the Michigan, is rumored to potentially take an NFL job. There's not any teams. They're just saying that if a contract were to come, he may take it. You know, what's your initial reaction to that if you have one? Oh, man. I mean, obviously – as we've talked about before, there there are several teams that are they're not only looking for head coaches, but they're also looking for quarterbacks, whether they are coming out of the draft class or it's a, an existing quarterback in the league right now. I think this is going to be a complicated year for both. You know, I think uh, head coaching jobs that are going to be available or already are, you know, we're going to see a lot of things moving around, maybe even with our own team's organization. You know, we, we may lose some of the talent we have coaching our guys, but uh, in particularly the quarterbacks, I think that there's going to be a lot of interleague moves 
with quarterbacks going to other teams who are already playing in the league. And there's some good kids coming out that are they're obviously going to get drafted. But I think that we're about to experience a pretty heavy merry-go-round. And I'm excited to see what coaches and player combinations are going to find their way to new teams. You know, who's going to end up in some of these vacancies who also have vacancies with their depth chart? You know, who, who's what, what kind of combinations can you manifest, you know, to either build up a new team or take what's already there and, and move it forward. You know, one of my, one of the other teams that I, I, I like is, uh, is Carolina. You know, I've always been a fan of theirs since the nineties when they were created as an expansion team. You know, I don't think in my honest opinion, I think they have a good coaching staff. I don't think they have the right quarterback, but as you've seen, as they've played this second half of the season, they've done an excellent job. I'd love to see what kind of moves they make if it's available to them as to what they can do to, to put the right guy, you know, behind center for that team and, and move forward. Well, how about you? What do you think? What do you, what do you foresee happening with the coaches and what, what team do you think needs a coach the most? You know, do you see the league? It, it's starting to transition to like, Either your head coach is your head coach or your head coach is an offensive coordinator. The age of defensive coordinator head coaches, it's kind of dying, in my opinion, just a little bit. I mean, there's they, they're still there. Like, I know Robert Sala for the Jets. He's still out there, and he's doing a phenomenal job. Unfortunately, the Jets just don't have a quarterback. They have a phenomenal roster. They just don't have the quarterback to push him over the edge. Um, Fun team to watch, though. A fun team to watch. They were they were seven and three at one point, and now they're eliminated from pretty much the playoffs. I think. I mean, it it's crazy on the downfall for them. Hey, coaching vacancies. I mean, it just depends. Do the Commanders want to move on from Ron Rivera? You know, it's it's a bunch of teams in like the spots are like, are they going to move on? You know, do they want to go a new route? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, could, does Houston want to try another year with Levy Smith and, you know, potentially draft a quarterback number one with Bryce Young? Or, you know, the Colts head coaching job should open up. I don't see him bringing back Jeff Saturday. I don't. Yeah, I think Saturday's seen his last Sunday as well. Yeah, I think Saturday was just someone to fill in and maybe bring some spark into the team. I don't think he was ever looking for a long-term job there, nor should he. Yeah, the it was somebody the organization was familiar with and they knew they could trust and he had integrity and, you know, they could bring him out there and, hey, maybe you find a, you know, a diamond in it and you can move forward with it. But I agree, it's, it's probably not going to work out. But, you know, you brought up something that was interesting to me, you know, like you said with the commanders, you know, you got that head coach there and it's one of those things where it's like, yes, he's, he's, a, he's a credible coach. He's had some good teams. He's he's got good numbers. You know, he's been good at times. But it's like, when do you, as an organization, move on from? And we find ourselves in this very same situation as Dallas Cowboys fans. You know, we we have a a carousel of these coaches that have good histories and and may or may not be Super Bowl winning. They may or may not be big playoff coaches. But they've been around for a long time, you know. So it's like, how many times can a guy, you know, reinvent himself as a head coach without ever actually accomplishing 
what you're there to accomplish. You know, how many, how many coins can you put in the machine before you realize you're not going to be able to get the high score? You know, when do you move on? So I think there's going to be a lot of that going on. Yeah. It just depends on who's the organ. Like it just depends on the organization because the Cowboys can't really say that we just do it. I mean, we had Jason Garrett for eight years and dealt with all the eight and eight years. You know, we dealt with McCarthy for the past three years, but after people wanted to fire him after one, you know, so it just depends on the organization. And if they feel like they can find someone better, you know, Ron Rivera is not bad, but if they feel like they could go get a young stud that may be the next Sean McVay, you know, they may pull right. the trigger on it. They may be like, we want, want him. Yeah. Who wants their head coach described as not bad? Exactly. Exactly. You know, that's, yeah, that's, you the know, question. and it's like for the Cowboys situation, since we are Cowboys fans, we do know the Cowboys the best. Mike McCarthy, he may bring the veteran presence, you know, to a young coaching staff. He right. may bring the face of the free, you know, I, you know, maybe I don't necessarily he steers know. Away yeah, from he steers the ship, but at the end of the day, Kellen Moore's calling the plays. Mike McCarthy right. may jump in every now and then, and Dan Quinn's calling the defensive plays. It's not like Mike the McCarthy's trying to do someone else's job. Yeah, right. he's just keeping the team straight, and he's doing his job as a head coach. So it just depends as an organization which direction do you want to go? Because Sean McVay's out there calling plays sometimes. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's so. running up and down the sideline. You you think you know he's he's just a couple seconds and. And a couple heart palpitations away from grabbing a helmet and a pair of shoulder pads, and, and <laughs> going out there himself. He's, he's lining up third and long. Here he goes, you know. So it's yeah. you know, and that's that's the kind of coach you get with a guy like that, you know. And then you have what I call like your uh, your CEO kind of coach, which is what we got in McCarthy. You know, I think he's a good dude. I think he he knows football really well, and he's gonna he's gonna steer us towards the horizon and away from troubled waters. But you know, at the end of the day, he's He's not going to pump your team up. You know, he's not a raw, raw, raw coach. You know, he knows what to do. He knows how to keep a plan in line and keep a schedule and, you know, make sure things are going the way they're supposed to go. But, you know, he, like you said, he leaves the other jobs to the guys who are put in the positions to do those jobs. You know, we have a heart of the, heart of the team is the defense, you know, and that starts with Dan Quinn, you know, and then we have a, what I think is a pretty creative, I know Kellen Moore has had his criticisms at times, but I think it's starting to really click for him. I think he's starting to formulate an offense that is effective ongoing and repeatedly and not just, you know, a couple of flashes in a pan and then, oh, we're haywire again, you know? So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about, you know, potential quarterback and coach combinations that are going to go to some of these teams who really need it. You never know. You know, somebody like Sean Payton might end up somewhere with a pretty yeah. good quarterback and then we're in trouble. Yeah. There's so many rumors circulating around. You got Sean Payton apparently forming the ultimate coaching squad, Jim Harbaugh potentially trying to find his way back into the NFL coaches that are already in the NFL, maybe moving somewhere else, college coaches, you know, it's, it's so far in the future and I'm excited to see it. But we shall see which directions everything goes. You know, it just depends. But there's a lot of organizations that need to sit down and figure out what's best. Because some of these organizations are on the edge of becoming contenders and playoff teams. But if they don't make the right decisions, they won't be there. 
you know, the Jets are back with a talented roster just as easily as taking a step forward. Yep. And, you know, the Chargers are, you know, they were on the edge about their head coach, but they finally clinched a playoff spot. Brandon Staley out there is finally getting his team together and now making a playoff push. And everyone thought that Chargers job may have opened up if he didn't. But with him making that playoff push, you know, they're obviously potentially going to keep him for another year. You can't fire someone after having their best year. Nope. So. Nope. All right. Well, we got a little bit off track as we were uh, we were covering the semifinals of the college football playoffs. So what did you think about the uh, – what was your perspective of the second game on Saturday between uh, – Ohio State and Georgia. Ohio State and uh, Georgia. Man, oh, man. I thought that this was the better game of the two. I mean, I like the classic. Like, I don't like the back-and-forth, fast-paced stuff. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch that highlight reel and all that. But I like when it comes down to a chess match, and this is exactly what this game was. I mean – it was Ohio State coming out there at first and shocking what shocking Georgia. I don't think Georgia expected them to come out there like that and start throwing it all over the field. CJ Stroud did a phenomenal job and did everything he could to put his team in the best position. I feel so bad that Marvin Harrison Jr. fell out of the game. Oh, that broke my heart because he him and CJ Stroud were just doing phenomenal things on that field. And I believe if Marvin Harrison Jr. would have played the whole game, that they yeah, were going to win. I think that yeah. when they came down to that last drive and they were trying to set up the field goal or try to get some type of score, that if Marvin Harrison Jr. is on the field, they get a lot closer in the field goal range, and they may have potentially scored. I, I believe that because that's how on point these two kids were. It was amazing. It just, in the end, there's nothing that uh, Ohio State could have not done anything else. They did everything they were supposed to. Unfortunately, well, they could have made a field goal. They could have made the field goal. You're right. You're <laughs> that right. would have helped. At the end of the day, the offense, the defense did everything they could. It came down to something that was out of their control. CJ Stroud couldn't control anything else. The defense couldn't have controlled anything else. Now, to be fair, the defense did blow that one coverage that gave Georgia the full momentum back into that game. I think it was – was it in the fourth quarter? I think it was Bennett rolling out to the left, and he threw it wide open to that guy downfield, and he scored real quick, and that's when stuff got crazy in the yeah. game because I thought I the game was going to get out of reach. Right. I think the, the young man caught it on uh, somewhere around the ninth and you know just had to turn around and take a couple steps and get into the end zone. But, yeah, it was definitely a surgical game. Two well-prepared programs, you know, very efficient, methodical, um, technical game. It was a good game. I was heartbroken for Ohio State. You know, I kind of wound up rooting for them. Not a fan of either team, but I did find myself, you know, compelled to root for the old Buckeyes. And uh, I I felt bad for them when that that young kicker – missed what could have potentially been a life-changing kick for him. But uh, that's how it goes. That's why you play the game. And that's why it's so much fun to watch, you know, those moments like that. You know, win or lose, that's uh, that's, that's history now. And, you know, man, that Georgia team is something else. That, that quarterback they got, you know, he's, uh, he's very interesting. It's an interesting situation 
considering, you know, where he came from, how he got to where he's at, and the fact that they are now uh, repeating title, or at least repeating showing up to the title game, you know, for the second year. So it's going to be interesting. I think uh, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. I would have preferred to see, you know, TCU take on Ohio State than uh, Georgia, because I think there's a little difference in the philosophy between the two teams. Um, either way, I think I think uh, Georgia is probably going to be the more – I don't know how to describe it, but I guess they're going to be the team that's going to show up with uh, the more classic strategy. And they're coming out, you know, they're game planning, you know, they're all about their timing and, and things like that. But I think TCU is going to be – they're going to represent that just good old fashioned, you know, college effort, you know, passionate energy, you know, tradition. They're they're going to try to win it that way. So it's going to be an interesting game. I, I think it's going to end up being, you know, another good old fashioned slobber knocker, as I like to call it, or, you know, it's going to be a blowout. Yep. Uh, so who do you think, who do you have winning TCU versus Georgia? <sighs> a tough one you know my my gut reaction tells me that it's probably going to be georgia um like i said i just don't think it's a good matchup for tcu i think the better matchups would have been michigan and georgia in the final or ohio state and in tc uh ohio state and uh tcu but uh i'm rooting for the horn toads but i I think it's likely going to be georgia yeah, I I agree with the Georgia pick. It would be something though for TCU to be unranked, make it into oh, yeah. walk That's into college football playoffs and then win it all. I mean, right. that would be something right. phenomenal. Absolutely. A heck of a year. I, I don't go ahead. Yeah, I mean, if I were betting on it, I'd pick Georgia. But as a fan, if I were cheering a team to victory. You know, because we have the ability to do that as fans. We can literally will our team to victory. You know, <laughs> we've done it before. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You need a hero. You know <laughs> yeah. what happens. Need a hero. That's to come a teaser, guys. We'll, we'll get back to that one day, and you'll you'll find out what happens when you're a Dallas Cowboy fan and you need a hero. But, uh, yeah, you know, it was it was something funny about that is we were watching those two games and we realized how they ended was so similar, like literally down to essentially the same amount of time left and the same score. And both teams are in the same position. Yep. Right there at the end of the game where Phil Gold wins it. Yep, I definitely agree with that. It- it was a wild New Year's Eve. If I could have Absolutely. ended 2022 in any better way, I don't think I could have because watching that sitting down with a beer in my hand, it was phenomenal to watch. I mean, it couldn't have gone any better than that. But so you pick Georgia, I pick Georgia. We root for TCU. We hope for the best. We always love a good underdog story. But let's Absolutely. transition into Sunday finally. Let, we're going right. to start with these NFC East games, and then you know which one I'm going to start with. We're going to start with the Philadelphia Eagles versus the New Orleans Saints. 
So let me break it down this way to you. Garner Minshew, from going from what he was last week against Dallas to this game, I mean, I only think he had oh, how many yards did he have in the first half? I think it was like 18. I mean, I remember at one point looking down and was like, wow, that's how many yards they're going to go into halftime with passing-wise. I mean, it was it was a brutal game for the Eagles fans to watch. If I was an Eagles fan, that was brutal to watch. Absolutely. Yeah, he, he ended up 18 for 32. He did. So, yeah. I mean, the stat sheet doesn't look bad. But the I just remember the first half being bad. You know, I'm sure he tried to come back at the end, and I remember that they threw one really long pass to A.J. Brown for like 50-plus yards. It may have been – even higher than that. I just remember they threw a deep bomb, and that's what put them back in the game for their only touchdown. Yeah. Hey, AJ AJ Brown cut loose, and uh, you know it was it was a mid range pass, and you know AJ Brown did what he does, and he ran it the rest of the way, and, and kind of helped uh, Minshew out there. But I think uh, Minshew fell victim. You know, uh, he hadn't played yet this season, and he comes in, and he plays the Cowboys, and. In my honest opinion, I don't think they changed the game plan of playing Minshew that much as opposed to playing with Jalen. They try to do some of the same things they do with Jalen with Gardner versus the Cowboys. And and for the most part, you know, because you didn't have a lot of time to prepare for this quarterback and the Eagles are a very good team. You know, the quarterback doesn't play on defense or special teams. So those components of the game, they make an impact and it does matter. You know, obviously not having your quarterbacks troublesome, but when you're in an elite team or what everybody perceives to be an elite team, you got to deal with those things sometimes, you know, that's, that's the way it goes. But I think uh, that gave the saints some tape and some opportunity to challenge some of those things that Gardner Minshew is capable of doing and attempted to do, but because he just doesn't have the same tools in his tool belt as Jalen, you know, they were able to stop it and make it more difficult for him. You know, they dared him to run, you know, those options and and some of those things that they like to do where Jalen can, you know, pull it at the last second, pass it or run it or, you know, dump it off, you know, they, they went right at Gardner and made Gardner make a decision and commit to it. And because he doesn't have some of the tools, he wasn't able to pull it off. Like, you know, Jalen does on the fly. So I I definitely think that uh, it made it more challenging for him. Yeah. I definitely think the story of the game was, is that the saints had something more to play for than the Eagles were expecting. I mean, the Saints were still fine for the play a lot lives. Unfortunately, they've been eliminated due to Tampa winning. But they were fighting for their playoff lives, and they were out there to not play any games. I mean, I, Andy Dalton went like, I think, 15 of his first passes completed before he finally incompleted one. Right. And it just it just seemed like, like – it, that was not the Eagles team we've seen all year. I don't know if they're cooling down or if it's because Gardner Minshew, you know, it's his second game. Well, it's the same situation we ran into in Tennessee. Yeah. You know, you have a team that's that's gritty. They, they're not going to lay down for you. This is the National Football League. There's a lot of pride 
involved in this and they're going to fight and they're going to fight hard. And, you know, you don't get to prepare for some scenarios that you find yourself in either, either as hosting or, or visiting team. And that's just what happens this time of the season. You know, it's getting late in the year. Guys are getting tired. The schedule's been weird. It's around the holidays. You know, you got games that are, you know, 10 days out and then the next game's seven days out. And then there's a game four days after that for some of these teams. You know, there's just some of the challenges that you face. And sometimes you have to face it without your quarterback. And you got to find out just how good your team really is. You know, and you either rise to that and you're able to beat back that adversity and, and walk home with your W or you're packing L's in the suitcase. And unfortunately for the Eagles, you know, as they got exposed on some things, their quarterback wasn't able to, to do some of the things he had done the week before, but that's, you know, due to having tape on him and seeing what he's going to try. And I think the saints were, uh, I, I don't know. I think they were kind of overlooked. I think everybody expected the Eagles to just run in there and mow them down. But that's not what happens in this league. Like I say all the time, these are these are professional athletes who play this game at a very high level. And there are really, really good players. But there's not a whole lot of margin sometimes between really, really good players and really good players and good players. You know, and you, you make a couple little decisions that, that can change the outcome of a play, and that can make the difference. You know, uh, and that that tool that teams seem to be using more often where they're coming in with, you know, a two quarterback game plan, man, that's, that's messy stuff, but it is difficult. If you're a traditional defense, it makes yeah. things difficult, especially when you got somebody like, uh, you know, Taysom Hill. That he's you know, a one of a there. kind. Oh, I've one never of a kind seen player. A, I've never yeah, seen anything he, like that. He reminds me of a guy, if... Cordell Stewart, you know, who, yeah was very similar in the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, you could just he's a utility knife, and he's a football player. I mean, he's going to come out there. It doesn't matter what you have him do. He's going to give you 110, and he's going to turn the octane up on it, you know, and, and that's what happened. And, you know, Andy Dalton, he's, an, he's a quarterback, you know. The red rifle. Is. Yeah. The red he's rifle strikes again. Quarterback. It's a good combination, and that's exactly what happened, you know. The Saints got a lot of pride. They're a pro football team, and they weren't going to come in there and be disrespected. And they had something to play for, even even with their record. And that's, that's what happened. And the Eagles just weren't prepared. I definitely agree. Now, luckily for us, for Cowboys fans, Saints beat the Eagles. I mean, we're happy for it because now we get to fight for the number one seed in the division. Who knew? Midway, when Dak missed five games, that week 18, this oh, is yeah. when we could clinch the division. I yeah. never would have thought that we would be in this opportunity. I was like, okay, we're getting the fifth seed. Let's get ready to play someone from the NFC South, probably Tampa. But now we have a right. chance to potentially get the bye, which could be nice. Right. I mean, we've done it before. It'd be really wonderful. Yeah. Now, as expected, Jalen Hurts will play week 18 against the Giants. Yeah. How absolutely. do you feel about that? Do you think he's fully healthy? Do you, I mean, like, you know, the reporters and the stories are always going to say something different, but what does your gut tell you? You know, they're always moving the goalposts. You, we see it all the time with Dak, you know, whatever he did or didn't do most recently, he's got to do next time in order to prove that he's yada, 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 you know, at the end of the day, 
you got to cut all the BS and just realize, you know, Dak's a professional quarterback. He's a very talented quarterback and he's going to do what he can do. He wants to win and he has the capability to win. Quarterbacks don't win games on their own. Obviously play a, a major part in it, but, you know, it's one of those things where it's going to happen if it's meant to be and uh, things go right for you. So uh, I do feel like the Eagles have to play Jalen. Um, if nothing else, they've got to stop this bleeding. As we talked about in the opening, you don't want to slide into the playoffs. Cold. On your ass. Yeah. Right. You want to stay warm going into the playoffs. And this team has been getting – Media attention. There's, they've been. They've been oh, the favorites Super all year. Bowl bound. They're the Super Bowl, yeah. Exactly. They've already won it. Uh, all they got to do is show up, and and but now here's it gets. We're getting in the gritty of it now. You know, it's it's what happens now that matters the most. What happens when, you know, you haven't faced much adversity all season, and you start losing players, and your star quarterback goes down. You you lose a couple games. Uh, what do you do next? You know, you, you got one game to go before you go into the playoffs. Do you sit your quarterback and risk losing that third game, potentially lose your seating? And on top of that, you build more losses on your record, demoralize your team more, or do you start your quarterback who potentially may be injured or subsequently could be more injured or re-injured, but you try to salvage some momentum heading into the playoffs. I mean, this is what football is all about. This is what we're getting down to it this week. My opinion is, is that he's got to play. I definitely. Um, if it were me that. coaching. Yeah. If it were me coaching and he's healthy, but I, I'm, you know, I'm a fan. I don't have any inside knowledge as to what's going on in that organization, who makes their decisions and why they're being made. And I don't have the Intel to tell you what Jalen situation is with his injury. I've researched the injury. I know it can vary. Um, I know even minor ones take two to three weeks. Sometimes they can go up to six weeks, depending on what level of injury it is. So I'm, my personal opinion is that he's still, he's still sore at the least. Yeah. Most likely still suffering from the injury. Um, if that's the case, they will not play him. They, they, it's it's not smart to play him. It's not worth it. It's the last game of the season. You know, going into the playoffs is the number one seeding really that important for you. But if it is to them, then they will play Jalen and they will try to salvage. Now the question is, is if they play Jalen and they lose, what does that? What mean? does that say? Yeah. Yeah. I, how, yeah. How do you feel about that? What happens if the Eagles play Jalen Hurts? against the, the Giants, and they lose. I mean, it's going to stand for a lot. One, it's going to show, because from what the Giants head coach, Brian Dayball, has said, the reporters had asked him after the game, do you plan on resting your stars for Week 18? He has said no. No. And Brian Dayball is known for being a hard-headed coach, right? I don't disagree with what. Why would you want to kill your momentum before going into the playoffs? Especially right. when you're playing a division rival that is going into the playoffs with you. You don't want to give either or momentum. Now, if the Eagles go in there and they lose to the Giants, it just really depends 
on how the Eagles' performance was. If it was like this past week where, you know, it was like Jalen Hurts playing against the Saints and he put this up, it does not look good for them. But, you know, it's weird for the Eagles' situation because what if they had won this week and Garner Minshew did beat them? Were they going to sit Jalen Hurts for basically a month? That's scary. I mean, sitting your starting quarterback for a month out of rhythm is scary. Just as scary as playing him this week. There's a lot of, it's a very unfortunate timing event for the Eagles. Like luckily for us with Dak, his injury happened at the beginning of the season. You can recoup, recover, save your season. The Eagles obviously still have their season in play, but it's just very unfortunate because it throws, you can either throw the timing off of your offense I mean, sitting him for a long time is not good. Playing him when he's hurt is not good. It's just a tricky situation. And so, obviously, we're fans, as you said. We have no insight. You know, so we're just speaking from a fan's perspective. I think it's just a very unfortunate event that's going on for the Eagles. And they have to make the right decision for what's best for them. If they need the buy to give Hurts more time, play them. But if they're not that concerned and they're okay with potentially getting that fifth seed or going against Tampa week one in the wild card, then that's a decision they have to make. Obviously, if I'm the Eagles, I'm playing Jalen Hurts, and I'm going for the bye. I think the bye is the best thing for them. It'll give Lane Johnson the right tackle, more time to recover. I mean, he's got that injury that he's not getting surgery on. It just gives that Eagles team that's gone through some tough games lately time to recover. But uh, yeah, we're gonna find out a lot if they play. Gonna, he's not hurt. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny because you know it was potentially at one point that all four NFC East, East teams were gonna make the playoffs. Unfortunately, right. Commanders got eliminated yesterday when the Packers won and they lost. Um, but it's interesting to see two playoff teams play each other week eighteen right before going into the playoffs. You right. know, are the right. Giants Absolutely. gonna show what they're made out of? You know, are they gonna be like? No, you know, we're we're a lot more of a threat than people think, you know, because it's they the perfect had a good scenario. Year. It's a perfect scenario from per- a Dallas perspective. A- and for those teams as well, because you gotta look That's at it like true. this, you know, you have the New York Giants who on paper they were underdogs know, all year. Everyone said right. four wins at the most, new head coach, you're not gonna do anything. And they've turned around and become the sixth seed. In the NFC, you don't want to be seen as the little brother. You know, you exactly. don't want to be written off as the underdog. You know, these are pro teams. This is why we play the games. You never know what can happen. You want to set yourself up for the best position available going into the playoffs, especially with a team you may see in a couple weeks again. If everything goes your way, you're not going to go out there and lay down and give that kind of psychological power to a team that's already having psychological power issues, you know, because everybody's praised Jalen Hurts to the point to where everybody truly believes that there's no way they would have lost these two games if he were playing. But you really, really, truly never can really know that. And they but that's what been. everybody believes, because that's the psychology behind the game from what everybody says. It changes the perception of things. It could have yep. ended the same way had Jalen been playing. They could still yep. hold those two L's, you know? So I think if you're the Giants, you're playing to win. You earn the respect of the, the opponent. 
You earn the respect of the potential opponents you'll match up against in the playoffs. You're not going to lay down. You're not going to back down. And you're going to give it 110 because that's that's the whole point of the game. You know, yep. we've had these conversations before. You know, I don't believe in laying down and and taking weeks off or resting. Your players resting from what? If you're not injured, you're healthy. There's nothing to rest for. You know, you, you played 17, 18 weeks in a row. There's no need to rest before the most important game of the year. Yeah, and week 14, I the think Eagles it, embarrassed the Giants. Sorry to interrupt you, but the Eagles no, embarrassed that Giants game. I remember watching it, and we were like, oh, Giants versus Eagles, that's going to be a good one. All of a sudden, it's 48-22, to 22 and they got embarrassed. Right. I mean, what better way to get revenge, end the season on a good note, and potentially play maybe, like, a lower-seeded team. Like, they're going to San Fran, which I think the Giants are a hard-nosed team. They're that underdog team. They could compete. I mean, they did play the Vikings a couple weeks ago, and the Vikings barely escaped that one by a field goal. Barely. A long field goal, barely escaped it. But the there's Giants a lot have of things. A history of getting hot at the right time. Yep. If we remember Eli Manning, he was an underdog. Yep. And he won a Super Bowl that year. You know, it's I like I mean, they 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 ripped off a lot of wins earlier in the season that they they weren't expected to win. So it's in there. And these this NFC is a division rival. Are- these are, yeah, these are absolutely gritty teams that no matter who they've got on the sidelines or behind the center. They will fight you, so it's it's really gonna it's gonna reveal a lot, and it's it's gonna be something to see. I'm I'm looking forward to that game a lot. I, I don't know what the outcome of it is gonna be, but uh, you know I think it's gonna be a big game for them. I'm glad the Cowboys aren't in that situation as much as those two teams are. Being, you know, both both teams have having clinched for themselves. But I uh, definitely think it's gonna it's gonna be pretty revealing as to uh, how things are gonna go moving into the playoffs. After. So it's so it's funny. Um, this report came out I think today or yesterday or last night. They revealed the schedule for this week, right? Because nothing sense down week eighteen. They like right. to shift them they around. Right. They haven't given the times out yet. They haven't yeah. given the times out yet. So <laughs> Sunday night football, we have Packers and Lions. We have the Eagles and the Giants at three twenty-five. While that's going on, the Cowboys will be playing the Commanders at 325. So these games are going to be going on simultaneously, and you're not going to know, like, you know, you know that these coaching staffs are going to know what's going on in the other game. But it's funny that they scheduled it that way because they wanted to go back-to-back like that and not have either team maybe not know, but they're going to know. You know, Mike McCarthy's going to be on the sideline. Someone's going to be like, hey, the Eagles are down by seven. You know, or right. if it's like it comes down to by... personal philosophy as to whether or not you want that knowledge. But there's definitely somebody in the organization for every team that's that matters looking that's at paying it. attention to that. Absolutely. I know Jerry Jones will be probably looking at it. He probably have a separate TV in his little clubhouse. <laughs> He's like watching the Eagles playing look. it on the big screen in the stadium. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but red man, zone. What a weekend it would be if we clinched the one seed and had to buy. That would be crazy. It would be unexpected. It would be very unexpected, and I would be a little bit mind-blown. I'd be like, wow, we somehow still won the division. And if I'm not mistaken, it would be one of the first years that an NFC East team wins a division back-to-back because I don't think an NFC East team division has won the division back-to-back in a long, long time. Every year, it's always someone different. 
Yeah, and, and looking at next week's schedule, there's there's still a couple of uh, – let's see. Looks like there's at least a couple big games. The Packers-Lions game, you know, that's an inner division. That's a big game. Uh, unfortunately, the Eagles and the Giants. Unfortunately, the Lions are going to need a little bit more help than the Packers. Obviously, if the Packers win, they're in no they're matter in. what. Right. But if the right. Lions win, they have to have Seattle lose to – who are they playing? The Rams. That's right. They need Baker Mayfield's help this week if right. the Lions were to win. But well, now they have something see, to play for. Not only is it, you know, the inner division rivalry, but it's playoff you know, pride time. on the line and it's playoff time. So, but from what I've seen from Aaron Rodgers, as expected, right on cue, you know, we go Super Saiyan God mode and he's doing Aaron Rodgers type things. You know, yeah, that team keep has these guys down. You know, it's funny because when we had C.D. Lamb emerge during that Packers game, the Packers also had their receiver, Christian Watson, emerge. And he, Christian Watson and Aaron Rodgers, have been the game changers on that team and the defense stepping up too, especially when you can hold Justin Jefferson to one reception for 15 yards. I mean, we did it. I'm pretty sure Trayvon Diggs hold Justin Jefferson's like two receptions. I, re- I remember it not being that much, but it's possible because we did it. But the Packers did it too now. So there's something going on. Minnesota's got to figure it out and quick. Yeah, I definitely think the, the Packers-Lions game is going to be a good game to watch. Um, you know, I, I like watching Aaron Rodgers play. I'm a fan of his. I, I'm not a fan of his when he's lined up against my team. Uh, but <laughs> I, I do enjoy watching him play. And I, I think they're a sleeper team. I think if – if the Packers get into the playoffs, they're going to be troubled. Their their backs are running really well. They're both big, powerful, strong running backs. They have a good receiver emerging, and they have one of the greatest orchestrators of offense on field of all time. You know, I fear Aaron Rodgers more than I fear Tom Brady. You know, you can rattle Tom Brady. I think our team and our defense is made to rattle Tom Brady. But uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's he's not a statue. The guy can still he, – he's very evasive. So he, he'd be a challenging opponent for sure, especially if he's confident in his team's playing well. You know, yeah. so it's danger. Will Robinson, danger. So we're going to get back on track here. We kind of fell off. Um, a lot of these games probably really don't need to talk about, but – one of the games I really want to talk about, and it doesn't really play any relevance to us, but why like Carson Wentz at, at this late of the season? Like, as a fan, I just don't understand the Carson Wentz starting. I, you know, I don't I, either. I, Taylor Heineke, I thought was doing. I mean, I understand he struggled the past couple of weeks, but everyone does. But the only reason that the Commanders even had playoff hopes was because of that kid in the past since twenty twenty. That kid has done nothing but giving his heart and soul. And every time they just bring in someone new. And, and sometimes right that's out. enough, Slater. You know, sometimes that's enough. I'd rather lose a game 24 to 23 or 21 with Heineke on the field with everybody given 10 out of 10, every play, maximum effort, than put Carson Wentz back out on the field lose the game 24 to 10 against a pretty sloppy Browns team who, you know, they're, they're still trying to gather up all their laundry. 
you know, and, and put a team together. And I think they will be a good team. Deshaun you know, Watson's they have an excellent, he's, he's an excellent quarterback. They're going to be fine. They don't do typical Browns things. They'll be fine. But you're, you're conceding. You're, you're conceding more than just the quarterback players, position by putting Again, Carson, we don't have no it. Exactly. Right. We you're telling no your team it's more important to put the guy we paid millions of dollars on the field than it is to play with some passion by putting the guy who brings that to the team, everybody plays harder for, win or lose. You know, it's it's disheartening to see. I, I wish they hadn't done it. I don't understand it. I we haven't liked Carson Wentz since for he the got drafted of his career. <laughs> you know, so he's been nothing but he's a mess. And he's had a couple good games, and he gave us some runs for our money at times. But at the end of the day, with Carson, you're wincing. Yeah, I totally agree. And I just I just wish, you know, it's like those times. You're just like, man, I just feel like the team just plays better around Heineke. You just know that Heineke will die for you. You know, like that guy gets me pumped to want to go play for him. Like I'll go play for Heineke if he asked me. But that's just the way he is on the field. He's, I think he's a great leader. I think the team rallies around him really well. I just – I was amazed Is he a future that. quarterback in the league? No. But I don't think so either. Neither but for was. this year, you finish it out. Yeah, I thought they could have rode the Heineke train. I mean, they could have rode the Heineke train. If it didn't work out, they could start all over with Carson Wentz the next year. I just didn't believe that it was the right yeah. move to bring him in. Lord Lord knows Wentz doesn't need any more shit shows under his belt, you know. Yeah. Let's put him in some let's put him in let's put him in good situations to build. He's his running out of time. Yeah, right. He's running out of time. He needs to figure so. it out throwing him out there to the wolves like that, you know, cold after being benched or injured or whatever happened, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. It doesn't do him any good. It certainly doesn't do the team any good. All right. So I got a question for you. Hit Looking me. at all the teams that are either in the playoffs or fighting for their lives to enter the playoffs. What is your, and it doesn't matter what conference what is your team, your sleeper team, your stealth team that is not really high on the radar, but could be very dangerous? Man, I don't think anybody of the NFC is. I mean, we know like Dallas is good. The <laughs> they are who are we good. thought they were. Right. Yeah, like anyone in the NFC, I know who they are. I mean, if right. the Lions make it, I, be- I think that's a good sleeper team. I don't think Seattle's a good sleeper team. I think they'll lose first round. Uh, Green Bay is Green Bay. We know it's Aaron Rodgers. But the team I believe... for sure if they get in the playoffs. Definitely agree. The team I believe in is those Chargers. Especially hosting a home-filled game. Exactly. Those Chargers coming in the wild-card spot, I think they hold the sixth spot right now. I think the Chargers are a dangerous team because when Justin Herbert has his receivers in a full-on team, They've played some really good football as of late. And if they're coming in hot like they have been, I mean, they beat the Rams 31 to 10. You know, Mike Williams is playing phenomenal. Austin Eckler. I mean, you look at their roster, they're a phenomenal team. They have Khalil Mack, you know, and they have great players. They just have been injured all year. 
You know, Kyle Van Noy is a great player. Joey Bosa came back this week. Right. And you're just like, that's a team. I believe the Chargers are that team that's low on the radar. A lot of people are underestimating them. But Justin Herbert could do something special this upcoming playoff race, depending on who they match up with. And, you know, if they match up with the Chiefs, that may be dangerous. If they match up with the Bills, Bengals, those are dangerous teams. Those are your top three. That's what's going to be interesting is who makes have the AFC between those three because the past couple of years it's been Bills versus Chiefs. Everyone's like, oh, the Bills and the Chiefs, how are they going to match up? Whoever wins that is going to make it. Well, the Bengals last year are like, well, y'all are missing out on something. Where are the team to come out? <laughs> you know? And so right. now everyone's got the Bengals as a part of the top of the hierarchy. And so you're yeah. just like – the they're getting Chargers, hot at the right time. They're getting hot at the right time. And the Chargers, I believe, are the sleeper team for me. But what do you think? So I, I like the Lions. You know, I'm I'm definitely a Lions fan. I've always liked the Lions. You know, Matt Stafford being there for so long. I enjoyed watching him many years. Uh, it would be great if they make it. I think they're dangerous, but – you know, it is what it is. But for me, I think the team that if they, they get in, uh, they can cause some problems. And we've already faced them, and they've caused us problems. So uh, I, think it's, uh, I think it's the Jaguars for me. I think uh, they get in. The Jaguars, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, think, uh, I think they can, they can do some damage for sure. They're gritty. And they got a talented guy back there. He's young, but – you know, as we experienced, they can clutch up when they need to. So it'd be interesting to see what kind of damage they can do once they get Doug. to the playoffs. It's the playoffs, you know, everything's back to zero. You know, the records don't matter anymore. You're That's there. True. It's one game at a time, you know. So I think Doug Peterson has been all the difference for Trevor Lawrence, especially what the Jags went through last year with Urban Meyer and that mess. Doug Pearson has been the game changer for that team. You know, he's brought the culture. He's brought the consistency. He's brought good game plans. He, I believe, is the reason why Trevor Lawrence has developed because he, you know, he won the Super Bowl with Philadelphia with Nick Foles, right? Right. Nick Foles hasn't yeah. really been much without Doug Pearson since then. Unfortunately, I, I wish Nick Foles could be that guy again. He did phenomenal, but he's just not. But I, I like the Jags pick. But the question is, can they clutch up and beat the Titans this Sunday? You know, if they come in there and beat the Titans with a pre pre confident win, even if a sluggish win, I like them. Home yeah, field advantage. Dobbs second know. game. You know, it'd be interesting to see what the Titans can put together with essentially the same package as they rolled out, and they've had more time to prepare too. So, you know, I want to see what this Dobbs kid can do on his second effort out. You know, with another. I mean, I think his plane had literally just landed before he, he came to play the Cowboys that night. Not literally, but it was pretty close to it. I mean, he'd only been there for a short amount of time, I believe, before he started. It was like one of those uh, Baker Mayfield oh, situations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, just roll it's in like, there, put some shoulder pads on, and play. Absolutely. It's like, yeah, wear these. They'll fit. You know, get out there. Let's, let's do this. So it's, it's definitely going to be a, a, it's a good game, and, and, you know, both teams have – potentially something on the line there, but uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, he's a prototypical quarterback. He's young. He's very gifted. Obviously he's having a lot of fun playing the game and he wants to win and he, and he comes from a winning background. So 
Yeah. We'll see. But I, I think if they sneak in there, they can uh they can definitely do some damage. All right. So next question. Who for each conference is most feared? Who do you even if it's not necessarily your team that they that you're playing, who do you expect to be in the championship for sure. One team from each. So AFC, I, I believe it to be the Chiefs. You know, they're that team that is like the new version of the New England Patriots. No matter what, even they don't have Tyreek, they're still consistent. It's still Patrick Mahomes on that side of the ball and Pe- Travis Kelsey. And that defense can hold you. They haven't been the best, but they can hold you. And at the end of the day, Andy Reid and that coaching staff with Patrick Mahomes is pretty much unstoppable. I mean, I know last year in the AFC Championship, they lost to the Bengals, and, you know, that was very upsetting after them being up and almost a yard away from scoring for, right before halftime and failed to do so. That could have been the game changer, right? But I believe the Chiefs to be for the AFC. They're scary, consistent, they're good. AFC. This is where things get interesting because. The NFC is like a wild card. You know, all the teams that are in the playoffs are just wild. I mean, I, I, there, there's, there's no like, well, we're the Chiefs or we're the Bills and we're the Bengals. There's none of those like top of the hierarchy to what I believe. But if I had to pick one, man, oh, man, I'm probably going to go with the San Francisco 49ers. And I say it because they've lost – two of their quarterbacks and have a Mr. Irrelevant back there, Mr. Brock Purdy, all respect to him, doing magnificent things, keeping the team going, still winning. He still has not lost a game yet, you know? And so when a coaching staff like Kyle Shanahan has put together and has been able Absolutely to the best keep winning. Team in the NFC, hands down, in my Yeah, opinion. I mean, how, I've never seen someone lose their young kid and then bring in their veteran backup lose him and then bring in Mr. Irrelevant and just keep on winning and produce like, a better team than you dear, did the, the year prior. Exactly. And so I just believe that the uh, San Francisco 49ers are the scariest on the NFC, but for the AFC, I think it's the chief because they're just the powerhouse. That's always been there for the past since 2018. Yeah. This is how I see the San Francisco 49ers last year. If you catch them in a dark alley, they're going to beat you up and take your wallet. Right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's what, that's what they did. To the beat you up they, beat it, they beat us up and took our wallet. This Maybe. year, you can be standing in the middle of Central Park with nothing but acreage around you, and they can still run up to you, beat you up, steal your wallet, and now they can run away from you with it. Yes. They're very you well know, at they, setting up the play action. Right. Very faster, good at it. They're more explosive now. You know, they have they have more firepower. It doesn't seem like a lot has changed, but they really have. They've upgraded their guns. And they're doing this you without know, and, Debo Samuel at the moment. Right. And, and he's going to he come back. back and and that's like, dangerous. Like, and you got a quarterback who is not prototypical. You know, he's he's not... 
what you expect to see. He's much different than Jimmy Garoppolo. So he's, he's out there. He's going to, now he, he could experience, you know, some things with, you know, being in the big game, being in the playoffs, being under that kind of pressure. Well, you know, it's yet to be seen how he will perform, you know, Jimmy G's used to it, you know, it's nothing new for him. So that could have an effect on him. And that's one of the, the pros and cons to having Purdy back there. But yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you on the NFC pick, man, they're scary. That's a team that you really, you really hope that somebody gets lucky and knocks them out of the, out of the playoffs. Cause them boys are tough and they're the best coach team in the league, in my honest opinion. And I think they have one of the, the greatest football minds currently on a sideline now. You know, so yeah, de- definitely want to avoid San Francisco 49ers if possible. Yeah, until someone shows a weakness in Brock Purdy, I mean, it's hard to stop him. I thought Brock Purdy would be the weakness, and no one has shown that he's not. Every time he's needed to step yeah. up, he's done it. I he's mean, done in that, it. yeah, yeah, in that Raiders game yesterday, I mean, he stepped up and drove his team down no, the field. I'm, exactly. And the kicker missed I, it, unfortunately, but. Yeah, Still and won. we're speaking against, you know, what everybody thinks by, you know, not mentioning the Eagles or, or assuming that, you know, they're big and scary, you know. But, I mean, even the Eagles hadn't lost two games and were full power with Jalen, I'd still be more concerned about the 49ers than than I would the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, just because the, the 49ers are a complete football team from water boy to head coach. You know what I mean? They're, they got it all working. The difference is, and this is why I picked the 49ers is they, you know, they've been there. They were in the playoffs right. last year, you know, they've made the MC championship, you know, and then they've been to the Super Bowl in the past couple of years. So, you know, and the Eagles are kind of new to this. I mean, I'm not saying they're all new to it. Obviously their players have been there and they won that Super Bowl back then, but you know, it's a kind of a new team. You know, it's past that Nick Foles and Carson Wentz era. You know, it's a whole new team. And so Jalen Hurts has only played in one playoff game, and it was against Tampa. They got blown out. So there's a lot of factors there. But with the 49ers, you know what you're getting. Right. Yeah. But what yeah. was your AFC you're getting one? A, you're getting a brawl with the Niners. All right. So for my AFC pick, uh, I can't do the Chiefs. I can't. Really? I, I I hear what you're saying, and I respect it. But for me, this year, my gut's telling me this is the year of the Buffalo Bill. The Buffalo Bill. See, I have them. So I have Chiefs, Cincinnati, and like the Bills. So that's interesting. But continue. Yeah, yeah I've been keeping an eye on Josh and uh, what he's been able to do with his team. And I think he's gained some ground on, let's be honest, if you look at the Chiefs and you look at the Bills and you look at the Bengals, for example, and you take the quarterbacks away, right? These are pretty comparable teams. You could really mix the quarterbacks around and probably get pretty similar results to what you get with the quarterbacks currently on the teams they're on. But watching Josh play this year, I think he has gained some ground on his Mahominess. His ability to 
do those little extra things that complete a drive, complete a play, that little extra thing of creativity or effort that produces just that much more. You know, he's gaining those necessary inches to overtake a rival. And as as much as I, I like Joe Burrow and I think the Bengals are getting hot, I just feel that if it's the AFC is going to come down to a shootout, and I just feel like it's going to be the Bills coming out on top of the shootout, and I think it's going to be because of uh, Mr. Allen. That's what, my, that's what my gut tells me. I, I, I can see where you're coming from, but it's just hard to go against the Chiefs, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's the, not the safest assumption or bet. But you are right. I mean, all three of those teams, anybody could win. I mean, right. I, I, all of them are just so good. Like, in the AFC side, there's so much talent. And then you go to the NFC, and you're like, wah. You know, it's like a duck. Yeah. You're like, what? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, we. it used to be the opposite way. But as of lately, the NFC is just nowhere near as much talented as the AFC, in my opinion. Yeah, I just, the last five uh, years, if it was all one conference, the NFC teams don't make it to the Super Bowl. Oh, no way. Yeah, the AFC would dominate. Right. But, Jimmy, any more questions? I believe that is a wrap for me, sir. All right. So, unfortunately, audience, for whoever's listening, at this time, we're recording this on Monday. Uh, we The Bills and the Bengals game is just now getting started. So we will give you a reaction. To Go next Bills. <laughs> I, I'm rooting for the Bengals. I'd like to see the Bengals win, but that's just, it's going to be a good game. Hopefully, hopefully it's one, it's one of those playoff matchups, but oh yeah, I hope it's a shootout, man. I hope it's, I hope it's a wild game. I really do. Exactly. But that game is going on right now. We will react to it next week when we record another one, but we thank you for coming out here. Thank you for joining us for the third and long podcast. And we hope to see y'all soon. Take care. Thank you.